0: Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Kim Folk, will you pray with me? Glorious Creator, risen Savior, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts and minds will be pleasing and acceptable unto thee, our guide and our destination. Amen. Well, another week has passed, and I see... From our legislatures in the South, another heap of absolute nonsense in the news, Florida, Alabama, making their attacks on our public school teachers and on children, our trans children's health and access to medical care and all of these pointless acts of cruelty and aggression and stupidity. These bills are kind of high-octane stupid, that when you hear about it, it makes you go cross-eyed for a second, because I suppose, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember North Carolina and what North Carolina tried to do six, seven years ago. North Carolina is a fine state. You can say what you want to about their terrible habit of dripping perfectly good barbecue into vinegar, um, which, as an honorary resident of Memphis, I find, Blasphemous. Um, But North Carolina chose this path half a decade ago and did terrible and irreparable harm to their state's economy. And I knew that it would. And it did. And so then they repealed those awful laws. But the damage was done. In North Carolina, it was about bathrooms. That's what it was about in the South. Bathrooms. It was confusing to me because when I went to graduate school in Chicago, we had Gender neutral bathrooms. You just went, it was just a bathroom. Just like the bathrooms in your house. You don't have a men's room and a women's room in your own home, because uh, that would be ridiculous. Uh, so, likewise, we did that at the graduate school. We did it because the um, police, the Chicago uh, police, felt that that was safer for us. Um, and so that's what we did, and it didn't bother anybody, because who cares? But people are spiteful, mean. <laughs> And this is the same sort of nonsense that they pulled in the 1950s when they banned African Americans from using the same bathrooms as white folks. Same, same exact thing. And it's all rooted, this legislative meanness towards minorities, small groups. It's, it's rooted in attitudes of scarcity. Attitudes of scarcity. This uh, false belief that there's not enough to go around. It's fear. People absolutely love to have something to be afraid of. Today's gospel lesson is about that, I think. There's just a great deal of fear in the air at the very beginning of the story. Anger, fear, and there's scarcity right there. Empty nets. And then Jesus leads his disciples to a different place. A place of abundance. It just so happens to be a fish fry. So attitudes get us into trouble, and attitudes can get us into grace. So this was the 21st chapter of John, officially the last chapter of John. And some people don't like the 21st chapter of John. They, um, it, the 21st chapter of John, to be plain spoken, was clearly added after the fact. It was added to the Bible later. And uh, so some folks think it might have some sort of bias or kind of shadowy motive behind it. If you listen to the last verse in the 20th chapter of John, the verse right before this reading, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That's clearly intended to be the end of the Gospel of John. But then it picks up again. The 21st chapter is like, but wait, there's more. These things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberius, and he showed himself in this way. It's as if reading the Gospel of John, the longest of the Gospels, uh, it's as if church is over and the last hymn is sung and the postlude is played and we're starting to rise from our pews and we're already thinking about all the stuff we're going to get done on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. And then Pastor Nate pops up and says, but wait, there's more church than there is today because we got a congregational meeting after church and we kind of grumble and we sit back down in the pews and, that's scarcity. That's a scarcity attitude you yeah, have complain when church goes over an hour I love it, come on already, enough church I gave God an hour, an entire hour of my precious week I've got more important stuff to do I want to say, you know that God is giving you eternity, right? <laughs> you can't give God another 15 minutes? No! I want to go sit and stare at my phone. That's a scarcity attitude. Scarcity of time. People say they don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Life is short. Wrong. Life is the longest thing that you will ever do. In fact, we've got plenty of time. I know people have time because they spend it on social media. And if they were short on time, they wouldn't do that. And for the record, Joel and the worship team and I work every effort to keep worship to an hour. But that's not just for the benefit of your spirits, kinfolk. It's to encourage us to be concise and clear. We only keep the prayers and words and music that are compelling. So don't fret. We will get you out of here on time. The Gospel of John says, wait, the story's not over. Jesus also did these things after his resurrection. What did he do? What did he do? He did three things. First, he caught some fish. Second, they all had a nice campfire supper on the beach. And third, he established the Christian Church. All of these three things were done through an overwhelming expression of abundance. This is the prayer for your heart. I have an abundance. I have an abundance. You can say this to yourself. I have an abundance. It's revolutionary, if you believe it. It's strong medicine. I have an abundance. I have an abundance. Last week, I out of nowhere, uh, my grumpy uncle uh, gave me a great, huge uh, wood boiler to stick in my yard, plumb into my house, a single heat, 10,000 square feet, and to heat my house and heat my barn and heat my neighbor's barn. And uh, I re- quickly realized I needed several cords of lumber if I was going to be able to f- fire this thing up. And I said to my friends, I said to myself, "I have an abundance." And I said to my friends, "I don't have any wood." And they said, you live in a forest. You have more wood than you can burn. And I said, I know, but it's up in the air. I need it on the ground. And yesterday, five of my closest friends came with their chainsaws, and we spent the entire day cutting and felling dead trees, and laying out two full cords of lumber next to that boiler. I have an abundance. Now I have wood for the winter. Um, These disciples, they're out fishing they can't catch a fish to save their lives now these guys are professional fishermen they know fish they have none and it's a hot morning and I know it was a hot morning because it says they were naked St. Peter father of the church naked as the day born it says that go back and read it it's in the Bible so they're naked on a boat and they're fishing and they can't catch fish Jesus is on the shore, they don't know it's him, and Jesus has some plans for a fish fry, but his fellows can't seem to catch anything. It doesn't matter to them because they believe. No, in fact, they're on that boat, they know that Jesus is dead. That Jesus is in the tomb, and that they've lost him. Part of me wonders what it's like to fish, to try to fish when your best friend has just died. I wonder what I would do. Are they fishing? Are they mourning? I ask them not surprised they're fishing. Remember, they were fishing when Jesus first called them to ministry. Follow me, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and together we're going to save the world. That was just three years ago. Three years ago. And So now, in this moment of defeat, what did they do? They went home. They took their boats out of storage they mended their nets. They went back out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is dead. They're trying to fish. Maybe they're trying to reestablish their business or their industry. They've been shown the ultimate answers to everything. Now they're supposed to just go back to work, I guess. And then a voice from the shore cries out, Throw the net over the other, other side, fellows. Is this a cruel joke? That sounds, like, that sounds like what Jesus said when he first met them. Some joke. But they do it, and then they know the truth. They find in their net an abundance so great that it threatens to sink the boat, reminding them of a time three years prior when something similar had happened to them. Peter knows. Peter knows. Peter, Jesus' best friend. Peter, who had never had a chance, never had a chance to apologize to Jesus for his betrayal on Good Friday. Peter won't wait for the catch to haul in. He jumps in the water. He starts swimming towards shore. The rest of them catch up with him to haul the fish to shore. They are, the Bible says, exactly 153 fish in the net. Now that's a lot of fish. That is also a suspiciously specific number of fish. Why 153 exactly? Well, Folk, people have proposed many reasons for the number 153. St. Jerome, who was the first translator of the Bible, explained patiently that there were 153 fish in the net because there are exactly 153 species of fish in the entire world. So, this was a metaphor for global evangelism. And we should cut him some slack because. Uh, Taxonomy and the study of fish wasn't exactly an advanced science in the fourth century. Augustine did math, and he noted that the, uh, oh, the, the derivative of 153, if you add all the numbers together, 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4, and you get up to 17, and 17 is 10 plus 7, which is the Ten Commandments and the seven spirits of God, and that is uh, kind of a stretch. Um, there's a lot of people who have come up with a lot of reasons for 153. I have my own reason that I think it was 153 fish, uh, because there were 153 fish. 153 fish is a lot of fish. I just think it's simply 153 fish, because I know that the fastest I've ever driven in a car is 126 miles per hour. The best score I've ever gotten on a round of disc golf was 8. Largest largemouth bass I've ever landed was 21 inches long. Most slices of pizza I've ever eaten was 11 slices. Don't judge. (laughs) I once slept in the canopy of a tree that was 126 feet tall. I have had 14 stitches in my right foot, and I am the sixth interim pastor of this church. I remember these numbers in specificity because they're touchstones. Not because the numbers are special, but because they represent something in my life. And I think that's why it records 153. It was a day to remember. He invites them to this fish fry. He takes bread and fish, and he breaks the bread. He gives it to them once more, opening their eyes. It's the Eucharist. It's communion again. This is the third time he's done this, and then he does something beautiful. They eat the fish, and in the glowing light of the coals, he calls Peter over to him. This is a cinematically poetic moment and it's beautiful because this is the second time in a very brief time that Peter has been described illuminated in the light of coals. Peter in the light of a charcoal fire just two chapters earlier, listen from John chapter 18 the woman said to Peter, you're not also one of this man's disciples, aren't you? And he said, I'm not Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing around it and warming themselves and Peter also was standing with them and warming himself and Peter standing by that charcoal fire denies Jesus Christ three times and the rooster crows just as Jesus foretold. And now here Peter is again standing in the light of a charcoal fire It's got to be on his mind as they're standing there because Peter knows what he's done. On that terrible day, beside that other charcoal fire, Peter denied Christ three times. Three times he chose fear. Three times he chose scarcity. But today, beside the fire on the beach, three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter answers, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. This is the medicine that Peter needs to heal his wound, his self-inflicted wound. Jesus knows what's on Peter's heart. So Jesus gives him a chance there in the light of that charcoal fire to redeem himself from his deception, to choose abundance instead of scarcity. And Jesus says to him and to all of us, then feed my sheep. Jesus gives Peter the keys to abundance. Jesus inaugurates the church through Peter, shows him the abundance of God's love and grace and forgiveness, and says, go, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Because only Peter can do it. Because only Peter can do it, only the church can do it. So he says to the church, go and feed my my sheep, because the church believes something that the world says is impossible. The church believes that there's enough to go around. We believe in the power of God to say, cast your nets to the other side, turn the water into wine, bless the bread and pass the baskets, and God is going to multiply it. And there will be enough to go around, and then much more remaining after. You have to have faith to believe this, because the world says that this is not true. So only the church can believe it and carry that message forward. Because we believe that life has conquered death. Follow me, says Jesus. Well, where are we going, Lord? Are we going to heaven? Are we going to Armageddon? Are we going to the end of the earth? To the gates of hell? No, says the Lord. We're going to the beach. We're going to fry some fish. And for the rest of time, you are going to do the same for the rest of the world. Feed my sheep. Kinfolk, this was the moment here in John that our movement was started 2,000 years ago in order to invite the rest of the whole world to a fish fry. So we gotta get busy throwing our nets over the other side. This abundance business, this jubilee, this canceling of debts, this, this abandonment of rents, these sorts of things, the fundamental belief that there's enough is when we throw our nets over the other side. This is a very special party. And it is our job to invite every single person in the world. So, let's get to it. Amen. Amen.